0: Hey everyone, welcome again to another episode of the Industry Show. We are here with the one and only Navneet Chouk at his beautiful residence. Thanks Navneet for inviting us. My pleasure, thank you. So, tell us a bit more about your, your background. Where were you born and what did you go to school
1: for and how did you move here to LA? Um, I was born and raised in Nagpur and uh, came here when I was 19, 36 years ago. Uh, came here did another bachelor's degree and mm-hmm. then did MBA from USC then finished my CPA and started CPA practice 32 years ago oh. and then um, two years later won an essay competition for free law school and then started law school and then 25 years ago finished law and started legal work. Oh, that seems like so easy. Right? Just got an MBA and got a CPA and like easy to you. <laughs> easy and um, you have to be in school and you also have to keep your student visa alive. True. So was it driven the the stages of going from
0: your getting your master's to getting a CPA and then um, what, did you do a JD or was it just a yes straight uh,
1: JD I did it part-time over five years okay uh, from Western States University mm-hmm. the largest law school in California. So was it driven by, I mean yes, You know, one
0: was the scholarship, but was it also to do with, did you sense an opportunity while you were doing your CPA work?
1: Yes, I did. Um, I used to do corporations, new corporations, but I would uh, charge people, clients money, but then I had an attorney friend mm-hmm. who would take most of the money to do the corporation, <laughs> but I would be doing all the work. One that, second, I remember reading an article in Wall Street Journal, that the highest paid lawyer in the United States in 1988 was a tax lawyer at Skadden mm-hmm. charging $350 an hour. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, $350 an hour. Maybe i become a tax lawyer and work two hours a day and that's it. that's it. But then you don't know the rest of it that to get a client to work two hours a day, you need to have a big setup. Right. And then you get those clients. So now you work one hour a day? Uh, Now, actually, I don't work
0: at all. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's not true. (laughs) So growing up, uh, maybe back in Nagpur or uh, when you were here, what did you want
1: to Make stuff and Mm -hmm. I used to love making planes Mm -hmm. and I was pretty sure I wanted to be an engineer. And then uh, as I got older, I wanted to be a heart surgeon. Mm -hmm. And then reality set in and I got really bad grades in high school and I ended up with business. So you ended up in business because you got bad grades? Yes, or? that's the deal in India, right? <laughs> if you're really good, you go to med school, second engineering, yeah. third, commerce.
0: Well, for us it was, yeah, there was a fourth option which was if you're just generally a lost cause, you become a lawyer. Right? <laughs> because I used to argue a lot with my parents and they're yeah. like, you should become a lawyer. Yes. That was just the option. So
1: that wasn't an option for you but you ended up becoming a no, typical Indian household doctor or engineer or you're yeah. a failure
0: yeah <laughs> so so do you still play with toys like are you hands on did you get into like woodworking any of such hobbies
1: I used to but I have slowly given all that up as well um, after Angie's list came about I dropped <laughs> everything that was your alternate career to right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do a
0: couple of rapid-fire questions. Sure. Uh, You have multiple offices
1: and I'm sure you travel quite a bit. What's your favorite city? Favorite city is Honolulu that uh, I love and uh, my family is not very keen so we don't go there often but uh, if I had a chance if I had to go to one city and spend some time there or go for a vacation or or live for a few months I would be Honolulu. Your second home would be? Yes. There. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, okay. This one might be interesting. Aishwarya, Sushmita, or Deepika?
1: Wow. <laughs> uh, I hope nobody is watching, but <laughs> it's obviously Sushmita because she once proposed to me, <laughs> and uh, on stage in front of everyone at a pratham there. event.
0: I think I was there. Yes, and I
1: asked her so if you had to marry somebody today who would you marry and you know she's uh, very good uh, in speaking so she didn't bat an eyelid and she came very close to me (laughs) and she said I'm into married men and gave me a hug in front of everyone. (laughs) So Sushmita. Okay, so
0: everything before that was said about Aishwarya, I know I've been at several events where you were either the host or the MC and You had a thing for her, so it's all...
1: Yeah, but I never (laughs) got a hug from her and neither a proposition, so she's out.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: (laughs) If you ever ran for office, what would your slogan be? Very simple, uh, make uh, the world great again. (laughs) Uh, One of the things I I cherish about Sikhism, my religion is that all of our prayers, we pray for humanity. It's never for us, or our family, or mm-hmm. ourselves. Every prayer is, uh, for make everyone. the world good. Yeah,
0: okay. So, you're so many different things. You're an attorney, a CPA, an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, just a social powerhouse. I mean, you know everyone that, that I can think of. But describe Navneet in one sentence.
1: Wow. Uh, <clears throat> always tough to talk about yourself, um, but one sentence would be: uh, love and admire my family, friends, clients, and employees, mm-hmm. and have an open mind and uh, keep learning and take care of humanity.
0: Yeah, that is one sentence, but that's a lot. So, how did how did things start for you? What was the transition from? Once you got your MBA, you went out and and set up a business. What went into that thought process? Um,
1: So back then in the mid-80s, the H1 visas were not very popular. Mm -hmm. So I got a job at one of the big eight accounting firms, but their HR department didn't want to process Mm H1s. It was not in vogue back then. So then I had no choice but to find a smaller C.P.A. firm and uh, uh, and then quickly I got my immigration status and then I started my C.P.A. firm out of necessity rather than almost Mm -hmm. anything else. And I remember signing up a lease and sitting a 500 square feet lease and sitting on the floor on the carpet like what did I just do? (laughs) Uh, No money to buy furniture, (laughs) nothing. But then Necessity is the mother of all inventions. So then I wrote letters to 500 people and got a client within three days. Wow. And that client is still my client 32 years later. That's amazing. Yes.
0: So were your parents in business? Is there a history in the family
1: or entrepreneurship? No, no, they were all uh, service people, all government of India and private company people. but that's America, right? That's yeah. the air in this country. Okay, yeah. you get to start a business.
0: But coming here, did, was that something you picked up in, in school or through your friends, that, you know, that's the American dream, is to be out on your own? Is that where it came from or was there other things that were going on that led you to yeah. setting up your own thing?
1: To, to begin with, I would say it was a necessity. but. Uh, Slowly I realized that I could have gotten a job later on and moved but Mm -hmm. then I was so happy with the practice and I realized that uh, I like doing what I'm doing and um, then law school happened so then I didn't Mm -hmm. have a choice for five years but to move along and kept my practice and Mm -hmm. went to law school part time.
0: Who was your first customer?
1: It's actually a couple that live in uh, Fullerton. I hope they don't mind my saying their name, but it's a a doctor, Usha Ayer and her husband, Sankar Ayer, Mm -hmm. and I started off doing accounting and taxes for them. Then the husband later on started a business, so I helped him with the business. Then years later, we sold his business, so I did that transaction. Then he started other businesses and other issues, and till today, they're my clients. That's amazing. Yes. So that's that's great validation, and great yes. reference.
0: Yes. So now you've expanded from just not, you know, you're, you're a CPA, but also you do uh, different kinds of law. You're into immigration,
1: business, uh, consulting. So w- what is the scope? The scope is that once you get a client, uh, then you keep the client mm-hmm. and um, whatever service they want, we provide. So we're a full-service law firm and a full-service CPA firm. Mm-hmm. Deep down, we have two firms, two entities, right. and we have five offices in the US and six in India, and about 500 people in total. The India offices are affiliate offices, obviously. Mm-hmm. And we have a couple of hundred lawyers and CPAs, right. and we do everything, every kind of accounting tax, audit review, compilation work, and in law, we do everything corporate tax, litigation, immigration, employment, M&A, mm-hmm. criminal divorce, bankruptcy, everything. Wow. And you also have offices in uh, Brazil and
0: um, in uh, Mexico. Yes. So if someone had to grow or have partnerships in those countries, you're also able to extend your services down there.
1: Yes. And our plan, long-term plan, is that we want to be in 50 cities around the world. Wow. China and Canada on the list? Of course. yeah. Because at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's a flat world now and uh, thanks to communication and all, uh, bridges are being built between Mm -hmm. all 196 countries. So we want to be in the top 50 of these 196 countries Mm -hmm. where medium-sized businesses, small businesses, and of course the big businesses that are doing business with each other and especially Mm -hmm. if they have an Indian angle to it, then even merrier. And the Indians are going out of India and doing business around the world. And so it's actually my clients that keep bugging me. Hey, how come you're not in this country? We need help. Right. Can you go there? So it's client driven, which is wonderful. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. So
1: um, in terms of, you
0: said you have about 500 employees. And I know several of them having you know, been associated with them for almost 10 years now. And as a, as a manager, as a leader, what's your philosophy like how do you I mean you're a, you're a medium-sized company uh, what's your leadership philosophy if i would have put it that way
1: well i think they're happy because i'm not at the office so that's point <laughs> number one people ask me um how do you manage these offices and i say i have a an mba and the mba stands for management by absence <laughs> Uh, I, I think uh, at some point you have to realize that in our simple business it's just employees and clients right. and that's it and the process. Um, so HR, we don't have any factories, we don't have any machines, mm-hmm. our employees are our single largest asset right. that leaves home at 7 p.m. every day or 6 or 8 or 9 or midnight. So we've tried to run a firm where um, We have 60 managers that run the firm, Mm -hmm. and these 60 managers have a tremendous amount of latitude and they can do whatever they want, very minimal supervision or zero supervision. So it's their business, it's their firm, Mm -hmm. and all the employees are treated equally and fairly, and we emphasize on learning and encourage everyone to go to school, and the firm pays for it. Uh, we have a budget. I remember reading uh, an article in an in airplane once 20-some uh, years ago that IBM spends $3,000 per employee on training. And I'm like, IBM has 300,000 employees, right. and they're spending 3,000. And so, okay, if I have 100 employees, we can spend, do that too. Yeah. So we do it. Nice. So we paid for probably 100 people that are in college right now oh. that the firm's paying for. And I also know they, they can pick whatever
0: course they want to go to and yes. just explore their own yeah. choices.
1: we paid for weightlifting and piano. Yeah.
0: And, and there is a marathon coming up, which I believe your employees are going to.
1: Yes. Yeah. Anything the employees want to do, they, we don't say the word no. That's,
0: that's pretty amazing. So, talking about the business itself, what has been, I guess, the most high-profile case? I and mean, you don't have to name names, but whatever you can share.
1: We had uh, we've had wonderful uh, high-profile cases. We had uh, a class action filed against our local Ziba Beauty, yeah. and that got a lot of publicity. And in L.A. Times, and we and the case was handled aggressively, but ultimately we won. And after we won, I told Sumita at Ziba that hey, can we publicize it that we won? And she said no. <laughs> I said when things were bad against you, then the world was publicizing now, we should publicize right. that we won the case. But no. And that's a <laughs> But I uh, enjoy working with the Ambani brothers, uh, both Anil and Mukesh, mm-hmm. um, and we've had massive litigation. I've handled class action lawsuits uh, against a huge Indian IT company that mm-hmm. if I had lost, would have cost the company 100 million, wow. but we won. That was probably the biggest case I handled in the last 10 years. Sorry, go ahead. And then we do a lot of M&A transactions. We've Mm -hmm. done about 500 deals in the last 15 years, worth about $5 So those are fun. Awesome, and obviously you get a percentage of that. Yes, and it's (laughs) constructive work. We do divorce criminal bankruptcies, which is destructive work. (laughs) But when there's a recession, then we do that kind of work. (laughs) So you pick and choose based on how the economy is doing? Right, how the (laughs) economy is doing. Hey, thank you for these cups. I really like them. I know if your family's involved in BombayMade.com. Thank you. Beautiful cups. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. So, in working through all of
0: these cases, you know, I would I would imagine that a lot of people come to you when they're, if not at their most, but they're pretty vulnerable at that point, right? So they're coming to you with these challenges: immigration, divorce, like you said maybe separation of other kinds. What have you learned
1: in interacting with these people? Yes, it can be very challenging at times. Um, immigration, of course, we've probably filed a million petitions mm-hmm. in the last 25 years. And we've had a huge success rate, like very, very, very few cases that out of the million, maybe 10 that went bad, um, but uh, Fortunately, immigration is kind of forgiving and you get a second chance and you can wait, you can fix things right. and you tell your client to fix things and you get a second shot. But at that moment, it's pretty emotional. I have a sign on my desk that says TTSV, this too shall pass, mm-hmm. so that helps. What at times is emotional is business divorces, partners falling apart and then marriages falling apart. and uh, with marriages, I've learned over a period of time, and we, I get involved when CEOs are getting divorced, when there's mm-hmm. a lot of money involved. But over a period of time, I've become very bad, and I tell either the husband or wife I'm representing that, hey, I'm sorry you're my client, but if there are kids, I tell them that the one, two, three kids that are not in the courtroom, not in my office, I'm going to represent them and not you.
0: Mm. How, how does it work with I'm, – I'm thinking you also have there's some amount of stress and a lot of responsibility that comes with it. Like when you mentioned these cases with, you know, $100 million at stake. Uh, these are corporations, they probably understand the risk, uh, but there are some high-profile cases here where individuals are involved.
1: How do you deal with all that stress and responsibility? Uh, You're asking me that question's probably the first time I'm getting stressed over this. But but I think we're so comfortable and confident in what we do, and um, we believe in labor omnia vincit, work conquers all, and when the case is hard Mm -hmm. and difficult, we meet, and I put on the whiteboard in my office, uh, labor omnia vincit, that, okay, it's a difficult case, which means we're just going to work two eggs yeah, hard, yeah. and yeah. and we're not gonna lose. We, uh, and we're very good at settling cases. And when cases is particularly bad, then you get out and settle at the best amount possible. It's mm-hmm. Very easy to settle cases. I don't know why people have difficult time settling cases. We can pretty much settle any case we want. Uh, and the toughest case I was telling you about that we won the hundred million mm-hmm. one they wanted to settle the night before for a piddly amount, and I said no. And my client said, no, 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 settle it, pay it. I said no. In the morning we'll see what happens. And my staff is mad at me, like, hello, we're we getting out for a small amount of money. I said no. So that night I told all my staff that no, we're not settling. Even though client said, pay the money, let's get out. And I go to my room and I thought to myself, what did I just do tomorrow morning? Uh,
0: Am I going to regret this? yeah
1: and uh, i 'm going to do this trial and lose, but in the morning, the judge was mad at us that we didn't settle. She had given a day off in the middle of trial to mm-hmm. settle, so I tapped on the opposing counsel and uh, and I said, "Meet me outside, and he met me outside, and we paid a very tiny bit of money and left, and he agreed agreed for. Half of what he said a night before is my lowest amount. Wow. And then this attorney, after taking that money, left the country, and nobody can find him. So <laughs> I tell my opposing counsels that please don't mess with us. <laughs> so you please had please nothing you to do with that, obviously. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> so in going through all of these cases, a lot of it is you know dealing with people, and uh, I guess understanding and not playing with but mastering these emotions that come with all of these moments. Any funny instances that have come about?
1: Yeah, there's um, somebody once asked Charlie Munger that, hey uh, how do you get your sense of humor? And he said, what do you mean how do you get your sense of humor? Look around the world, it's hilarious. (laughs) And so every moment we've had uh, fun I remember a time where the judge called me and the opposing counsel in his room and he said, why aren't you settling or whatever, and he gave us a lecture. And then he said to me, and sometimes I say things which at times I regret a little, very little of that <laughs> happens, but this one I kind of regretted for a second. So he says to me, after we had done, the judge says to me, older guy, so he says, you're a Sikh, right? I said, yeah. So he says, are you carrying your sword with you? Uh. And I shouldn't have, but I said, I said, your honor, it depends on how you're going to rule. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: so you mentioned Charlie Munger, and that was like, I, I don't know how this works, but we got a comment from Monish. He says, we love Navneet, So OK, well, we love him.
1: Monish. Yeah, we do. He's uh, so, one of the best human beings alive in this planet.
0: Yeah. Hi, Manish. So, thanks for watching. So, um, you know, you've gone from being in Nagpur to now here being one of the most successful
1: businessmen. What drives and motivates you? Uh, It's, uh, the first answer is I don't know. Second answer is uh, Peter Drucker, God bless him. used to say that an organization that's not growing is dying. Yes. And so I, I don't remember where I read that 20 some years ago, but I get up in the morning and we gotta grow, otherwise we die. So we mm-hmm. have this deep down motivation that we gotta grow. We have to go to more offices, we have to hire more people. Mm-hmm. And I have a rule in life, anybody who applies with our organization anywhere in the world, if they're good, whether or not we have a requirement, we hire them partly because we know that when we hire good people, work shows up, just, yeah. and so part of that is growth. Part of that is for our employees to keep them motivated, keep, tell them, the, hey, go to school, learn more, mm-hmm. tomorrow we're going to have a bigger case, harder case, and we're sending everybody to school and continuing education courses. Then the firm has to grow as well right. as they're growing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they get bored and they don't have right. challenges. So right. we almost have to stay ahead of these 500 people that we're right. screaming at every day, hey, go to school. Then the firm has to go to school as well. Right.
0: That's an amazing way to think about it. So what are the next few things You know, professionally?
1: Uh, what's, what's the most exciting thing for you right now? The most exciting thing is uh, an impending retirement in the next 5, 10 years, 15 years. uh, For who? For me. uh, (laughs) I don't
0: see that happening.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't either, except for I have to listen to Andrew Carnegie, who died a hundred some years ago, and would always say divide your life in three pieces. First one third study, and I was finished law school when I was 31 and then the next one-third work and the last one-third do social work. Yeah. So my second one-third of making money and working is going to end in seven years.
0: But you're already stealing from some of the social work
1: side of things. Yes. You've been doing that for, I don't know, at least for, for uh, 15 years? 32 years. Nargisdet wow. okay. Memorial Foundation in 1985. Wow. Actually, we got involved in social work a few months before I started the practice. And so we've been doing social work all along. And you know, Nathan, what I realized is I have a lot of rich clients mm-hmm. and then they work very hard and like Warren Buffett and they work very hard. And then when they get very old and when they start realizing that, hey, I'm going to see God mm-hmm. soon if there is a God. Right. And then they start doing charity work and I'm like, why do I have to wait? Let me do it along the side and I can see the results of right. our action. So our firm has been deeply involved in uh, endless charity work, forming charities supporting them, giving them guidance, doing business plans for them, raising money for them. The other day we were just roughly calculating, we've raised $100 million for wow. charities in the last 35 years. And uh, what is exciting is, I never thought it would happen in our lifetime. And as I said at Pratham last Saturday, that 97% of six year old are in school in India and in first mm-hmm. grade. I didn't think that would happen that uh, and mean, that's yeah. happened and US is at 99 percent and yeah. so another 2 percent and of course the quality of education needs to be better right. but India's made the curve mm-hmm. and I think uh, 70 years of independence we have come a long way. Yes. Somebody once said that it's a 1 percent country mm-hmm. that every year right. literacy goes up by 1 percent it was like 18 percent when we got right. independence in 47 and now it's almost 87% 70 years later. Per capita income goes up every year, poverty Mm -hmm. goes down. Uh, India has removed 200 million people out of absolute poverty Mm -hmm. in the last 27 years. So things are shaping up. But a lot of work ahead, 600 million people don't have a toilet, 186 million people still in absolute poverty. But uh, if we keep growing at 7, 8, 9, 10% GDP, all of that should be fixed in the next 15, 20 years. I'm
0: just amazed at how you just throw out these numbers, like you're, you know, I don't know, are you getting ready to
1: go for election or something? (laughs) It's just amazing. Hard to remember, (laughs) hard to forget that 600 million people don't have a toilet in India. But I'm still amazed. And we had the best plumbing 35 years, 100 years ago in the world. We used to be, like what, the the role models for Singapore. Yes.
0: I remember reading that in one of their, um, I guess it was one of the train stations where they said, uh, and I think this was i might be messing up the dates maybe like in 1960 they said we want to be like bombay
1: and 40 years later they were like bombay is nowhere close to where they were right so, and when china was being admitted into security council india was in favor of it yeah yeah and i i would like to tell 1.3 billion people of india one thing that in the year 1500 1600 1700 1750 india was the richest nation in the yes. world and how many people know that? And if they would know that, one, they would be very angry, like yes. what happened? Right. We went from 25% of the world GDP in 1750 to 2.5% in 1991. Yeah. In 90 years we lost 90%, in 240 years we lost 90% of right. the percentage of GDP. And then they would be like, hello, we can get back there. Yes. We were number one. So okay, are behind the race. Right. But this self-esteem. And,
0: right. The self-esteem, the confidence, Right. We can be there. Right. That's we new. used to be there. So, who's your role model?
1: Role model is uh, my wonderful, successful clients. The role model is uh, the five people who made America uh, Carnegie Mellon, Morgan, Ford, mm-hmm. and Vanderbilt, uh, the um, Gandhis and Nehru's and, and Jinnah's of the world that got mm-hmm. us independence. And uh, a thousand good books, and uh, a hundred good movies, and uh, a thousand wonderful friends. Oh, that's that's a lot to keep up with. Of, slowly, slowly.
0: <laughs> so, what does success look like to you? I mean, you've talked about expansion, not just for the company, but for your for your team. So, for you, how do you define success? I mean, there is in your profession, there is a clear win or loss. But looking beyond that, how do you define success?
1: Well, I, we started India about uh, 13 years ago in, in 2004. Mm-hmm. And we um, allocated a chunk of money for India with two things in mind that we want to create employment in India and continue growing in India. Mm-hmm. And our goal is that we want a 1,000 lawyers in India. And we want to create a lot of employment. And it's India is not necessarily about money. It's right. about growing and creating employment because the best kind of charity you can do is to create jobs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that helps society in probably the best way. So success is leaving the world a better place than what it was when you found it. Uh, success is is, uh, again, back to my religion, it just says, remember God, do good work, and share your wealth. Yeah. And success is, uh, is see if uh, I can follow Andrew Carnegie's life mm-hmm. motto to give the last one third of your life yeah. to social work. Yeah, which I think you, you've already given more than that.
0: So you've achieved that one. It's a lot of work needs to be done in India. Yeah. How does being Indian impact your, <clears throat> your thinking, your
1: decisions? I would tell my kids that growing up, all Indian kids in America complain about being Indian. Yeah. Uh, and so I would tell my kids that, listen, fine, you can complain about being Indian and Indian parents do this and you eat like this and you don't, your English is not good <laughs> and, and you mix your V's and W's. And I would tell, argue with my kids that, okay, fine, go back in time and God and you're about to leave heaven and come to earth and about to be born and God says to you what religion what citizenship what kind of nationality do you want and would you pick anything better than an Indian and in United States the Indians should be very proud of what they've accomplished we're a model minority and the per capita income of an Indian in United States is double of the other 320 million, yeah. yes. And um, college degrees and postgraduate degrees and 10% of the physicians, mm-hmm. 1.3 million physicians in the United States, 130,000 yes. Indian. And so we have to be 10% of uh, everything in United States, 10% of Congress and mm-hmm. 10% of Forbes, 400 uh, richest people in the country and, and tw- 10% in all 12 ho- corridors of power from Turkey, Hollywood, amazing. Bollywood medias, Wall Street, researchers, professors, deans, entrepreneurs, professionals, politicians. And you're helping in, in that
0: in a great way by, uh, with Thai, right? And um, I want to talk about tycon that's coming up uh, in what, three weeks now?
1: Yes, October
0: 28th, Saturday. The 28th, yeah. So, and for those of you that don't know TyCon, it's one of the largest gathering of entrepreneurs in Southern California. And like Navneet said, it's on the 28th October. You should check out the website. It's uh, tycon.org slash SoCal. So do check it out, or socal.tycon.org.
1: Yes, uh, I think yeah. just type up uh, Tycon SoCal, and it'll show, it'll up. show up. It's yeah. the best entrepreneurship event in our community, Yes, uh, and it's not limited to our community. Everyone's welcome. Mm-hmm. We will have 500 people there and 50 speakers morning till evening. Yeah. Lots of fun, lots of food, uh, lots of networking opportunities, lots of booths, yeah, and I can vouch for it. I've been to
0: like, at least five of them, and every single time, I'm just amazed with the talent that that's out here, and you know the things that they're working on. It's so thanks for for doing that for the community. Our pleasure. We thoroughly enjoy it. So, as we wrap this up, um, any advice
1: for? entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs? Yes, make a lot of money, rule number <laughs> one. Um, and I think there's no failures in this country and in entrepreneurship and in California. Mm-hmm. If this doesn't work, you start another one. You learn from it. You learn yeah. and um, I think uh, there's, uh, I remember reading an article in 2000 in Newsweek when the new millennium started mm-hmm. and the author wrote an article about who's going to make money in the future. Mm-hmm. And he said people who live on or off the bridges are going to make a lot of money in the future. Mm-hmm. And the bridges being a bridge between India and US, and right. India and Brazil, and in US and Brazil, mm-hmm. and all these bridges that are spanning now, virtual. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so consultants, lawyers, CPAs, um, people who can operate in two countries, in both, yeah. and of course, technology. Mm-hmm. and so there's a, trillions of dollars of wealth is going to be created on or off these bridges. So I think the entrepreneurs look at how quickly Uber was able to go to other countries. Yeah. So uh, I do want to ask you this question. Do you invest in other entrepreneurs? Yes, we do. Um, We've had uh, uh, the same success rate and failure rate as uh, all the other angels and VCs one out of 10 works out, which pays for the other nine.
0: Okay, so is there a specific forum? Would you recommend people who are looking to grow, would you recommend them to join Thai?
1: Yes, highly recommend to join Thai, be there October 28th. Mm -hmm. And Thai is not just Los Angeles, it's 60 cities around the world. All 60 cities have an angel forum Mm -hmm. where you can go pitch, pitch your ideas, raise money get talent, get smart money, be involved.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Navneet. This was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for taking out time for us
1: and and sharing with the rest of the entrepreneurial community. Thank you. Keep doing this. It's really good for the community. Thank you. And thank you, Bombay Made. Thank
0: Thank you. you. (laughs) Thanks, guys. See you.